You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello there. Uh, before we get into the episode, uh, we just have a little. Uh, we just, okay, let's play a little ad, I guess. This is a little, but it's not <laughs> like for some product you don't want or something like that. I uh, it's a little bit of self promotion. Uh, uh, we've got an awesome thing to tell you about that Joe's been doing. A, a few awesome things, actually, that Joe's been doing. He's been working on some new art that's being released. Um, so uh, it's all Star Wars stuff. You guys are listening to this podcast because you are Star Wars fans and uh, you're a fan of Joe, I hope, uh, if you're listening to this. I don't know. I'm a fan of Joe. Oh, uh, sweetheart. I, and specifically, I'm a fan of Joe's incredible art. So. Uh, Joe, why don't you uh, why don't you tell everybody about all this new stuff that's being released and where cool. they can get it? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I will get you that twenty dollars that I owe you for saying all <laughs> those nice things. Uh, I'll shoot you a PayPal right after this. Um, yeah. So this past Tuesday, uh, I had two new prints released with Acme Archives Ltd. and DarkInkArt.com. They are sister sites, uh, so my art is actually uh, on both of those. And uh, it's really cool because one of them was Clone Wars and one of them was The Mandalorian Season 2. So the first one uh, is called A Galaxy Divided. It is a limited color palette of blues and oranges depicting some of my favorite characters uh, during the Clone Wars. And it, it ranges from early Clone Wars where Obi-Wan is in his, his general armor with his the cool shoulder bells and, and the chest armor and all that stuff. Uh, we got Ventress on there, Dooku's on there. Uh, and then it ranges all the way back to uh, seasons. I shouldn't say ranges all the way back because it, it's very like early Clone Wars and late Clone Wars, really. Um, but we've got uh, Ahsoka's clone troopers on there. We've got uh, Ahsoka herself and her Siege of Mandalore outfit. We've got Maul. Uh, it was basically a love letter to Clone Wars, the series. Uh, and I'm very excited about it. The other one that released this week was uh, it's called Masterhood. And it's actually a scene that I've wanted to depict since I was about eight years old, uh, playing with my action figures, uh, probably 1998. So that's why closer to 12 years old. Um, but uh, the Dark Troopers versus Luke Skywalker. It was a scene that when it happened, I could not believe my eyes in the Mandalorian season two finale. Um, and it's something that I've wanted to depict on a print for a long time, uh, just trying to figure out the right way to do it. And, uh, now was the time apparently. So very excited that that is also released. And there is, uh, one more kind of, uh, really big announcement for me is that this week they announced, uh, all of the artists who are going to be appearing in the celebration Europe art show next April. I mean, next April, this April, uh, less than a month away. So if you are attending the show, uh, I did a uh, exclusive print to be sold only at the show. Uh, it's a Tales of the Jedi piece. It depicts uh, all six episodes. I tried to capture all six episodes and my favorite moments from the, the entire series. So it's a very Ahsoka Dooku centric print. So two Dooku's uh, this week for two Ahsoka's, I guess. But, you know, they're they're on both, which is pretty Pretty crazy because I normally don't draw a lot of Dooku and now suddenly he's on two of my uh, prints released the same week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the pre-orders for those last uh, from the 10th, which is this Friday at, I believe, noon Pacific time to uh, March 20th. Uh, also, 
noon Pacific time. So it's about 10 days. And something you want to keep in mind, uh, I'm not trying to pressure you or, or uh, <laughs> rush anyone, but what's happening this time is because of uh, the international differences, uh, there are going to be some international taxes if you're buying any of the prints at the art show in London. So if you see any of the prints, not just mine, if you see any of the prints from the art show and uh, you just you got to have them and you want to guarantee yourself one, the best way to do it is to pre-order in that window. And it's going to be at a cheaper price. So my print is going to be $40. It's a standard European size A3 for the to make the Europeans happy. Um, but very easy to find a frame here. I've imported A3 size frames many times. Um, but yeah, it's and then it's going to be my print is going to be 40 pounds at the show. So it is going to go out. That's going to translate to just shy of $50 USD here. Um, so, yeah, if you are interested in the Tales of the Jedi piece, you're going to be attending London. Please stop by the show. Even if you're not going to pick up the print, stop by. Uh, let me know that you enjoy listening to me, Mike, Kyle, in the instances when we talk Bad Batch. Just, you know, just come chill out, say hi. And uh, if you mention the show here, this show, I will make sure you have a freebie. You will not walk away empty handed with something cool. So please awesome. do that. Uh, and I'll I'll just I'll just give everybody the heads up because because Joe isn't gonna he's not gonna uh, brag but uh, but listen listen he's gonna sell out of these prints okay <laughs> they're gonna go I uh, and I uh, so if you want one the best way to make sure that you get one is to is to pre-order it ahead of time and you have that added incentive of getting it for cheaper so this is it's it, this is an ad in the sense that like Joe's got some stuff to sell but it's also just like a it's more of like a PSA of like hey heads up heads up Joe did some cool stuff <laughs> it's available now and if you are going to be at Celebration Europe and you want to take advantage of the cheaper price and make sure that you get your print um, that's the best way to do it. So, uh, so yeah, definitely do that. Uh, and, uh, and support as many of these awesome star Wars artists as you can. There's some really great stuff in the show this year. Um, it's a, it, it I, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty killer showing. Um, and that's saying a lot because star Wars celebration art show is usually a lot of really, really cool stuff. But I looked at this year and it's like, there's a lot of Ahsoka though. There's a lot of Ahsoka yes. this year, yes. but that's, I mean, like they picked the, they, they approved the Ahsoka pieces for a reason. Correct. This is Ahsoka's year guys. I, I, but I, yeah, I yeah. just got to shout out uh, three of my artist friends who I think totally. have the three best pieces in the show. Uh, Chrissy Chung, uh, she's the headline artist uh, for the art show. You know, she's everybody's using her print as like the article thumbnail. It's she did this amazing uh, Rosario Dawson Ahsoka coming out of the world between worlds. I, I man, I've seen her print. She's got foil on it. It looks amazing. It's so so awesome. so cool. So if you're an Ahsoka fan, check that one out. Uh, Adam Schickling did maybe my favorite print of his that I've that he's ever done. And I, he's done amazing work, but this year he did this awesome Bo-Katan tribute. And after this episode that we're going to talk about, that print is going to sell out because, oh man, did he predict, predict some cool elements to mm -hmm. incorporate in this. He's got the dark saber on there. He's got, uh, the, uh, night of a thousand tears for man, uh, when Mandalore was destroyed, which was from book of Boba Fett. But somehow he's like, I'm going to include this on the Bo-Katan print. Cause I feel like it's important. And then, you know, 
what happens happens and um so yeah that that print is incredible it's like i said it's probably my favorite one from him and the other one i need to shout out is uh christie's print who uh depicted ahsoka and rex and he's been working on this piece no joke for about three years trying to figure out how to make it right he wasn't sure if he was going to make it a celebration piece or if he was going to pitch it to Acme or what, but he's been working on it for so long. And he just depicts the friendship and the relationship between Ahsoka and Rex. And this print also is going to have a really cool, shiny, glassy, weird effect that he managed to put on it. It looks so good. I haven't seen it in person, He, but he took video of it. And so did Chrissy on their, their two prints. They look so cool. You, you gotta have them. And all all three of theirs, including mine, are in that same A3 format. So we're kind of a little set together. It worked out pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and I Perfect. guess one, one more little cool thing to plug is that uh, we're part of a little group uh, that we like to call Kanji Collab. It's, it's not Kanji Club. It's Kanji Collab for <laughs> legal reasons. Um, <laughs> but... What a bunch of us did, so there's quite a few of us artists in in that group, but uh, all of us, not just the artists who are in the show, but anyone who is in Kanji Collab, we all put together a little mini series of postcards that are not for sale. You just come up and you can just take them, and there's nine of them, and they're awesome, and it's the whole, there's a whole series, so you can get two of them at my table, two of them at Chris's, two of them at Adam's two of them at Christie's table. And then we're going to have another one in rotation every day just to make sure that, you know, everybody, everybody gets a chance to have a third one. Uh, but they're super cool. They're totally free. And uh, I-, I love them. I'm very proud of the little set that we put together. So definitely uh, come, come and grab them. Come say hi and come grab a free postcard for sure too. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I, that, that's it. That, that's it. That thus concludes our, our public service <laughs> announcement for all of this awesome star Wars art. I, and, uh, and, and we now return you to your regularly scheduled star Wars podcast. Yay. Thanks for humoring me guys. Hope to see you in London. Hello there and welcome back to Force Perspectives for The Mandalorian Season 3 episode. Uh, I guess I guess it's actually, it's chapter, what is this, 18? Yes. Uh, the Minds of Mandalore. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and joining me, uh, as always, for our Mandalorian, well, I don't know, because it was Book of Boba Fett before, but you know what I mean, these live action <laughs> recaps, uh, we've got the illustrious Joe Hogan. Dude, I am so excited to talk about this episode with you today. Can you even like listen? I last week we were like, what a what a what a great way to start this off, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, cool, we're setting the table, we're laying the foundation for all of these great stories that we're going to see throughout the season. Obviously, he's gonna he's gonna be looking for things for this for to bring IG Eleven back. So that he can go to Mandalore. And then in the second episode, he's just like, <laughs> I love this because I've seen criticism of it already of like, what was the point of the whole IG-11 thing? And it's like the beginning of the episode, he goes to Peli and he says, 
hey, do you know where I can get one of these processors? And she's like, I don't, I don't have it. But if you need a droid, just take R5, right? And he's like, yeah, okay, I guess R5's fine, <laughs> right? Like, and it takes a little bit of convincing. She definitely like works them. I, I, but, but I love it because it was like to me, it's actually people are like, oh, well, that's weird because like, why introduce the IG11 thing? It seems like a, it seems like they just didn't know what to do with that. I was like, I was like, no, this like actually feels like a very organic way to tell the story of like he thought that he was setting off on this big quest to go restore IG 11. And instead R five is there and it's like, and it ends up actually being like nothing anyways, because the planet's not poisoned. So like, like I, I, I mean, Hey, uh, this is a spoiler podcast. Uh, if you, if you are worried about spoilers, I'm sorry. Uh, we're 12, no, we're not even 12 minutes in. we're like two minutes in. And I, uh, and I'm already spoiling the heck out of the episode, but I, uh, yeah, from here forward, more spoilers. I, but yeah, like, like it, it was, it ended up being like a total non-issue, which I love because I feel like it was just like a bit of a, it was almost like a bait and switch of like, oh, oh my, man, we're going to, we've got so much ahead of us before we get to this. And then like, by the end of this episode, buddy's bathing in the living waters under Mandalore and you're like. <laughs> Okay, so I guess that's that, but that is not that. <laughs> that is not that at all. Um, and both Bad Batch and this episode of Mandalorian are like, cool, great episode. I had so much fun. Well, maybe Bad Batch not so much fun, but <laughs> I. But what? But what a fantastic episode! Uh, and then the last like thirty seconds are like. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet, pal. Um, and they're just like, just buckle up for the rest of this season. Um, Cause yeah, the, the way that this episode ends, we'll save it. I don't want to like jump right, right to the end and talk about it, but we'll get there. We'll we get, are getting we got... spoiled between last week and this. And I don't mean spoiled in the, in the yeah, uh, no. like plot way, like man, two great episodes, two weeks in a row. Yeah. They are treating us right. I, I, it's, it, it's so good. It's so good. But let's talk about, let's talk about the beginning of this episode. Let's talk please, about, please. I'm so excited. Boonta <laughs> Eve, baby. Oh my God. I'm so I, excited. It was so cool. Now, here's the thing. I've, I've heard this from a few people. I've seen this uh, in the online chatter. Boonta Eve. How come we didn't see any pod racing? We're not in most Espa. We're most mm, Isley. We're most cool. Isley. And there was racing going on. There was racing happening. There was street racing happening in 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 the streets of Mos Eisley. A couple of speeders. Uh, but yeah, we're not. We were not in Mos Espa, so right. we don't get to right. see pod racing unless right. we're in Mos Espa. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought I, that was one of those things of like I was like, ooh, I'm the smart Star Wars fan this week. I <laughs> uh, because yeah, because everybody obviously we hear Boonta Eve and immediately we think of the the Boonta Eve classic and uh and all of that but you know what you know what bums me out uh in the phantom menace like clearly we just missed the party <laughs> like mm. either either before or after bunta eve i i or or i don't know maybe in most espa they're a little bit more chill about it but in most isley they like let loose on bunta eve but uh i love it i i just love that we're gonna like build out the lore of this a little bit and then just the visuals of it man like Look, I 
there are so many people online who want to criticize stuff in this show. I, and like, say it's not and, or, and whatever others stupid arguments they have. But I, and I say that because like the beginning of this episode is just, it starts off just totally fine. And then we get the moment of them leaving a Tatooine in the midst of these fireworks. And it's just like, it's just wonder the two weeks in a row, we just get Grogu in that N1 looking out that window at something that's just magic, right? As they fly out of Mos Eisley with these fireworks going off around them. And he's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand what Star Wars fans are looking for if this ain't it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. we got fun characters that we love and i know mileage varies on pelimato but she is one of my favorite star wars I characters i love that character full I stop every right? time she shows up i'm so excited <laughs> look look the 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 dream that i have that fills me with such like vigor and intensity at the idea of like maybe one day peli and hondo will share screen time together oh my god don't, because don't. can you imagine the two don't, of them don't just like I don't even like just just think about it. Just think about it, right? It's it would be so good. I, uh, but yeah, it's like I just love our little check-ins with her. Where's my little guy? Like it just it oh, it's so good. I guys listen to her purr. Like everything that <laughs> Pelly said at the beginning of this episode, the way she's grifting people, and it's like it's a Bunta Eve. All the idiots are out. Like all the schmucks are out. <laughs> it's ripe, ripe for the picking. Yeah, I love it. I just I love her character. She is she is the Star Wars everyman, right? Like she's just a blue collar I uh, just this this wonderful amazing person in most Eisley, the the hive of scum and villainy just trying to make it. She's just trying to live a, a decently comfortable life. Uh, you know, working on ships and speeders with her droids, and uh, I, whatever she's got to do to do that, that's what she's gonna do. Uh, I love it. Uh, and just like the like the way that Din trusts her, even as he knows that he's kind of being <laughs> grifted, but he's like, nah, okay, fine. Like, uh, yeah, the the N one is pretty good. Like, it just fantastic. I don't know. Like, like I'd say, like, there's that. There's there's the fireworks. There's the fact that like we're gonna drop Boonta Eve as 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 a, a little Easter egg for people, um, and then we're gonna go like we're gonna go straight to Mandalore. R fives on the mission, dude. <laughs> can I the, just? I am go ahead. so so happy. R five finally gets his little adventure, even yeah. though he doesn't want one. I love that he's a polar opposite of R two D two. Yeah. I'm so like it's of course okay, he has to be right. He can't just be R two D two. He has to be that like cowardly because like Mando's super brave and Grogu is you know kind of he's aware but he's not totally aware of everything that's going on. So of course you need that cowardly little droid to even out the. Tr I love it. I'm so I'm so happy. I'm done gushing. Yeah, just babbling right now. Really, I love the dynamic of the three of them already. Well, we've kind of got, we kind of have, have the, the dynamic of Astro Droids is like, you've got R2, who is obviously the OG and he's the template, right? Mm -hmm. So then you end up with 
Chopper, who's the next main one. Yeah. That like goes the other way, right? Like and and as they said when Rebels was coming out, if R2 is Lassie, right? Like R2 is like the is like your loyal man's best friend dog, right? Then Chopper is a cat. And <laughs> and immediately in season 1, we got Chopper and like every opportunity that he has to screw over another droid, push him to off a cliff or out a airlock or anything like he just he's that's what he's gonna do especially those those imperial ones right mm-hmm. like he is he doesn't care he's he is malicious and evil uh but on our a side war so criminal okay. really yeah yeah i uh, committing droid genocide left right and center <laughs> and then and then you know a couple years later we get bb8 who is really like bb8's got his own personality for sure but BB-8, let's be honest, is R2 Jr., right? Like, he, yeah. like there's a lot of R2 in BB-8's personality. I would say that BB-8's maybe a little bit, um, he's a little bit spunkier, I, I, if, if I can use that word to, mm-hmm. to describe him. I, he's just got, he just has a little bit more, um, just a, a touch more fire than R2, where I feel like R2 is like, R2 is always like very in control of the situation. Whereas BB eight, I think is a little <laughs> like we get some of the best, uh, some of the best double takes and like reaction shots in the sequel tra- in all of star Wars, like in all of star Wars come from BB eight. When that little head just like will turn and swivel up. Um, I saw the other day, I, uh, somebody pointed this out on Twitter, a moment of um, from, uh, rise of skywalker one of one of one of the few like incredibly redeeming moments in that movie which is when they first get to um pasana and uh and it turns out that it's the festival the akiyaki festival right and 3po is like going up and he's like oh like what luck and everybody like stops and turns and like it's so easy to focus on all the human characters in particular poe because he's given so much sass obi-wan levels of sass right (laughs) as he like he goes the hand through his hair like like hand on his head and then and then over to the hips and then he turns to look at 3PO as everybody else does. If you watch BB-8 in that moment, BB-8 gives 3PO so much attitude and it's just <laughs> like it he he's BB-8 is such a wonderful character. Um but so like we kind of have like these these other droids that are great examples, but then R5 coming in and I think informed by his uh certain point of view I, I short story um, in which I, I, he, I, he, he basically, um, he intentionally, I can't, I can't, it's been a while since I, since I, I read that one, but like he, I think he like intentionally has the bad motivator so that R2 will get picked because R2 has this mission. And it turns out that like R5 is also, but he's also from the rebellion. Um, and so there's like there's like a there's like a moment like it's a choice mm. that he makes. But I love that we're kind of taking that and going the next level with it of like R five doesn't want to go on an adventure. He doesn't yeah. want a mission. Oh, I he love doesn't. It. It's a uh, uh, yeah. It's just it's it, it. I think you're right. It's such a great juxtaposition to Mando who like never refuses the call. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he's Mando is always like, what's the next quest? Let's go. Um, and and Grogu is learning from that, and I think in this episode really kind of comes into his own, I I and has his own hero moments, which is really cool. I love to like I love that we're finally seeing that progression with this character. Yeah. Um. 
and uh, and so now we're like rounding that out with with R five, and I hope that this is like a permanent thing that like R five is now you know, a part of the tribe, like that, that these three are going to cruise around and, uh, and do their thing. Um, and honestly, I mean, like we got our own little family going now with, with Bo-Katan in there. I like, listen, I don't know. I don't know what direction <laughs> this is headed, but I, you know, I think there were some conversations about like, is she going to be an antagonist this season? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely after last week, she was kind of like, it was like, ooh, is this, can we trust her? What are her motivations mm-hmm. sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And then after this week, it's like, yeah, yep. I don't I don't know where we're at now, I'm, guys. I'm with you. I'm with, I guess we'll get to it in in detail later on. But man, well, yeah. let me tell you, I, I had a moment I was watching with Tina and the thought occurred to me that, yeah, I'm surprised. Like this, this show is such like a celebration of all things Star Wars, and there aren't really any like romance arcs or any anything like that. Yeah. Which you know, it's fine. These characters don't need it. It's cool if it services the story, then great. But it it like occurred to me then, and then like a few little little things happened in this episode. I was just like, huh, okay, yeah. There's a there's a thing with Bo Katan's character. Where I think um, she does not like to project weakness in any way, right? Mm-hmm. So even even in the moments last week when she's like, yeah, everybody left, she's still forceful about it. She's mm-hmm. still aggressive. Right. Um, when really, like, to me, she's like, go wave that thing around and they'll follow you anywhere, right? And she's being very dismissive of Din. Mm. and all that stuff and i'm like looking at that going like oh this is like a this is in retrospect now after watching this episode i'm like oh that was like a cry for help Mm. right she's like she's saying to din like honestly she's saying like don't leave Mm. (laughs) like like don't don't go i'm the only like they all left they all left and you're gonna take the dark saber you still got the dark saber yeah i still have the dark saber oh well then go wave that thing around and they'll follow you anywhere and what she wants to hear from him is, well, why would I want to go with them? They're obviously disloyal, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what she's looking for. And it's like, almost like, it's like a, it uh, not to be too, uh, you know, like heteronormative gender binary reinforcing and all that sort of thing. But I, uh, it's almost like the, like the girlfriend, like, like testing you. Right. Of like, I, I had the same thought in retrospect. Yeah. Of like, of like, I I I I saw a TikTok or whatever the other day that was like uh, it was like it was a woman explaining TikTok, uh, I, which I I get a lot of these because because uh, I get a lot of like uh, uh, couples therapy TikToks in my algorithm, um, I stuff about having a healthy relationship with your partner and it was like a thing of like when when uh, when a woman turns to you and says like hey do you, do you want to go get a milkshake. They're not asking you, the man, in the, like their partner, do you want a milkshake? What they're saying is, I would like a milkshake, <laughs> and I need you to also get a milkshake so that I don't feel like a gross monster for eating a milkshake, like for having a milkshake, right? And I think like this was Bo Katan's moment with Din of like, like I would like a milkshake, and he was like, 
so go get a milkshake. I got things yeah. to do. And like left. Yeah. And she's like, mm, she's just grumpy about it. So when he comes back, there's like a, uh, when she thinks that he comes back, we're kind of jumping around in, in the episode now, but when, when the N one is approaching and she sees it and she comes out and she's got, she is locked and loaded mm-hmm. with her argument because <laughs> yeah. she like, if she really felt the way that she's about to say she feels, then don't let him land. Yeah. Blast him out of the sky. Something, anything, right? Like, but the reality is that she is absolutely 100% attracted to Din Djarin. She saw him with his helmet off, so she knows what his face looks like. And he's Pedro. Come on, guys. <laughs> he's come on. He's Pedro. I'm attracted to him. All right. Like, come on, guys. I and also like she knows she knows. Hey, guess what? He is loyal as hell to a fault. Mm. (laughs) Right. He's great with kids. He's great with kids. (laughs) He is a formidable warrior. She knows all of this stuff about him. Like he is checking all the boxes on the Bo-Katan checklist. And she hates him for it (laughs) she absolutely despises him for it i did not think when we sat down to record this episode tonight that this is where we would start the episode but i'm so happy that i didn't even think this would really be like the thing because i i didn't know if you were going to be like there for it i i I will tell you this i wasn't going to bring it up because i think the hints are actually very subtle yeah, but now that you're like really articulating your feelings on it, I'm like, yeah, okay, I w- I was not yeah. wrong to be picking up on this stuff. Cool. Yeah, I th- I think um um I was talking with Marie Claire from What the Force earlier today, and I was like, like it's a very interesting dynamic that happens in this episode. Din can't get anything right at the moment. <laughs> he is awesome. as much as, like because because if you think back to Din in season one and season two. Like, like, think back to think back to uh, uh, when we first meet him right at the very beginning of the first episode, he walks mm-hmm. into that cantina and he just wrecks house. Right. Yep. Like nobody. Yep. He's unstoppable. And then like fast forward to the the gorge in, in the second episode uh, when when they're the Trandoshans attack them. And mm-hmm. he just like, again, like it's not happening. Plasma rifle done. Right. Uh, fast forward to the prisoner. Come on, man. Like this dude is a machine and he's built for one purpose and that's getting the job done. Right. And then he gets to Mandalore and good news. The air is breathable. Everything's fine. Let's go. And they get down there into the mines. He is already a little bit like we're already on shaky ground. Like he, he manages to take out the the uh, six eyed ape guys, right? But it's a fight, like it's a fight for sure. Um, I don't think that he was ever like in 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 real danger, but like you know, um, it was effort. He gets down there, and then he like he falls for it. He like like Din Djarin, the like the best Mandalorian, as we talked about last week. Of like like we've gone to such painstaking lengths to establish that Din is the best of the best. He is the Mandalorian, right? Uh, like to the point that grief just calls him Mando, right? <laughs> like, like there are other Mandalorians around, but this guy's Mando, you guys, those other guys, they're not Mando. This guy's Mando. 
Um, and he's our hero, right? But he gets captured by the the spider eyeball, right? The general grievous spider. The not um, grievous, yeah. Yeah. And uh uh, and then, and then, like at, even after being rescued, like later on, like he just he just walks himself off a ledge uh, into the water and almost dies. And it's just like, like he is, he is not on his game. And and to me, it's like it's I, the way I described it was his like he's he's going on blind faith right now, right? Like he's he's so distracted by his belief system that he's forgetting the most important tenet of his belief system, which is that, you know, weapons are his religion. I, I like, he's just, he's making really weird, dumb choices and getting himself into all, all sorts of danger in this episode as he goes into the mines. And then Bo-Katan goes in and is everything that we are used to seeing Din be mm-hmm. right like and she picks up the dark saber and we we got we get the reminder earlier in the fight with the with the the apes that i uh, he can't wield it right even though even though he right. won it by combat which is supposed to be the way that you get this thing right he cannot wield this dark saber it's it does not belong with him she picks it up she's got the shield on one arm she's got the dark saber in, on the other hand and she just dismantles this thing, like doesn't break a sweat, just like it is ballet, you know, like it's it is it is a beautiful thing to behold. Like what a sequence. The choreography is unbelievable. And then she just like gives him back the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, buddy, recognize that. She just did that. I know you're a little out of it because you were getting your blood sucked out of you by a weird crab droid man, uh, eyeball man, Dianoga in a crab. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to call this thing. It's just. It's a monster. But I. I. But still, like, recognize what is happening here. I because, like, she came to rescue you, dude. You are the damsel. <laughs> she is the knight. And she can't, and like that's why I was talking to Marie Claire. I was like, it's like, what's the deal there? Of like, Bo Katan seems to have no issue, and 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 uh, Marie Claire was like, basically, like, let me answer your question with a question, uh, like like who's the damsel in distress in this episode? And it's like, yeah, okay, like like so they they um, it's not that they've switched roles. Din has like has fallen into this into this role in this episode of being the damsel why I think that there's a, there's a couple of reasons why, but I, but regardless, like, like she drops what she's doing, like that pod, that, that, that uh, cockpit opens and Grogu pops out and she's like, Oh no. (laughs) And she's just like, Oh, 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 Oh no. Oh no. My boyfriend. (laughs) I, I, it's like, she's been sitting in her little chair uh, with her notebook and she's like keeps like writing like b hyphen k k plus uh dd and then putting hearts around it and then crossing it out like like yeah scratching I, it out because she's mad that, at herself for it i think that's a great point that that you bring that scene up because for me that was the first subconscious thing that i picked up on yeah because i wasn't thinking about it when it happened 
But in retrospect, if she wasn't at least... Maybe it isn't romantic. I think it could be. But she at least respects him and does like him to a certain mm-hmm. degree. I mean, obviously, she has these like weird conflicting feelings because of everything that happened with Gideon and the Darksaber and all that stuff. But if she really hated him, when that happened and she realized she had to go rescue him, I feel like her expression would have been more annoyance and more like, you know, just like, oh, all right, whatever, fine, let's go. Where give me, give me the court. Yeah. There was genuine concern on her face, and 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 it goes from like that scene, and then we get to Mandalore, and she gets out of the ship, and she gets out of the ship with like a little bit of a spring in her step. Yeah, like there's a yeah. there's an aspect of this of like okay, let's go rescue him, right? Like, <laughs> like there's no like um like the tension almost disappears at that point. Like, and they get down there, and and she's sort of got the 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 words of encouragement for Grogu of like, listen, you gotta you gotta be brave right now. Like, you gotta yeah. lead me to him. Like, let's go. And she's parenting, which like that that's Din's nudge. job. That little, That's di- that little nudge to uh, like, yeah. like kind of protecting growth. Oh man. Exactly. She's fulfilling his role when, because he's not there to do it. Mm-hmm. And like, there's something there. That's important. Yeah. That's important. Oh, and man. I think, I think like, even if it's not romantic, there's an aspect here of like, um, like there, like everything that she says later about, about, the Mandalore. I mean, she says it in the, in the previous episode as well, stuff about like everything being fractured and all of that sort of thing. Like that was, this is like this common thing coming back this idea that like the Mandalorians are like scattered, like every, it's broken. It's been destroyed. Their culture has been destroyed. They have no community, right? Whether it's the children of the watch running from place to place, hiding underground or the, uh, the night owls, abandoning her because she didn't get the dark saber or whatever. Right. Like, like, and you know, uh, Boba wanting nothing to do with any of them. And, and you know, there are other, I, and I think that we're going to see later on in the season. I think this season is actually going to be sort of like the gathering of the clans. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that maybe we'd be like, sort of like alluding to that not necessarily building that this season, because I thought this minds of Mandalore thing was going to be, yeah, it was going to take season. at least, half the season to get there. Right. And then we would start to gather the clans. But I, after everything that happened this week, I'm like, Oh no, no, no. this season is, is, is going to be Din finding the clans and bringing them together. And then like next season will be like the, like uniting them and figuring out how to like, like return to that community. But like, that's like the fact that Din has been on his own with Grogu. And although like they keep gathering allies and that sort of thing for all of these different adventures, um, he's like, he's, he keeps refusing community, right? Like he get like grief keeps saying to him, like, why don't you stay? Like why you could, you and, and Omera in, in like the fourth episode of the series is like, just stay here. Like, just just make a life for you and your little one. Like, that's like, isn't that what you're trying to do? Like, isn't that what the goal is, is to keep him safe? Um, 
And then here comes Bo-Katan and it's like, he hasn't, he can't trust anybody with Grogu, right? Like that's, that's kind of his thing, except that like, well, he trusts Peli with Grogu, right? His, <laughs> right. his Grogu's weird aunt, uh, his weird auntie. Uh, and now like, here comes Bo-Katan, but the, here's the thing. We already have the weird auntie energy coming from Peli Motto. Where's my little guy, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. like, and that that energy is so different from what we get from Bo in this episode, which is the same energy that we get from Din, where like she is protective of Grogu. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. She, she is nurturing in in a Mandalorian way of like, hey, you gotta be tough, right? But like in in her Mandalorian way, she is like being nurturing, uh, uh as she can. There's a it's it's funny. Uh, we're recording this on International Women's Day. I hey. so I I shout out. I thought it was really cool that this episode dropped on International Women's Day because it's such a such a fantastic episode yeah. for an awesome uh, female character in Star Wars. I I in my experience, there's no such thing as luck, right? <laughs> I, but I is meant to be. Um, I I what I'll say about Bo Katan is that like. I I hope that she is about to go on a, a heroine's journey that like we get that mirrored. I, I hope that John Favreau is like not just so much in the John, the Joseph Campbell stuff, but has like branched out and is understanding that there's more than just the hero's journey. And there are other there are other phases to life and there are other aspects of life and, and a heroine's journey, a hero's journey can be taken by a male or a female. And the heroine's journey can also be taken by a male or a female. Uh, Poe Dameron goes on a heroine's journey in the last Jedi. And it's one of the reasons why people hate that storyline. But, uh, but that storyline is about him uh, coming to terms with a lot of feminine aspects of himself and, uh, and the things that he's fighting against because he's very misogynistic at the beginning of that movie and he is not by the end of it. Um, and I think that Bo needs to also embrace her feminine. She needs to go on a, her- a heroine's journey and embrace her feminine, reintegrate it because she's been spending her whole life fighting against it, trying to prove something to people. Um, and as a result, she is very unhappy, <laughs> mm. right? And that's not, I don't want to imply that like her being romantically linked. Cause this is, this is no, I agree. separate. Yeah. This is separate from a romantic relationship with Din. This is purely like her own self-development. Um, she needs to reintegrate the feminine with, with her personality and embrace that in order to be a fully rounded person. I actually wouldn't want to see her enter into a relationship with Din or anybody uh, until she does that because she's actually not going to be good for anybody until she does. Right. Um, But, but here's the, here's the kicker. I talk about this all the time. Grogu what is it? What's Grogu's main <laughs> force power, right? He heals, baby. He heals people. And what is broken in Bo-Katan? Her sister was murdered by Darth Maul. And she hasn't dealt with that. She hasn't healed from it yet. She's still carrying that around. And she's rejecting the feminine in her own life because it reminds her of her sister who she loved. Right. 
So she's got to deal with that. And Grogu's going to help her by allowing her to reconnect with that part of herself. That part that that Satine was so good at, which was Satine was a good leader, not because she was commanding or powerful or forceful, even though she was all those things. Satine was a good leader because of her compassion and her love, right? Like that's what made her the leader of Mandalore that so like that the pacifists got behind and why she was able to lead them into that era of, of cultural growth. Right. Because she like, she was integrated. She was, she was in touch with that part of herself, but she was also still a Mandalorian. And if she needed to shoot a dude between the eyes, she could, right. Like, like she, she was a very fully realized character. Um, and, but Bo has been denying that since we first met her alongside pre Vizsla, she was trying to be something that she's actually not because she's actually, as we get hammered home over and over and over in this episode, she's a princess, you guys <laughs> like she's a Disney princess, but she's like, imagine if uh, Jasmine left the palace and never went back. And yeah. and over years and years and years of being out on her own just became hardened. Right. And yeah, she'd become a badass. But like, would she be able to fall in love with Aladdin? I don't know. Right. Like like that's like like Bo-Katan is a princess and she needs to she needs to um, stop running away from that because she wields the Darksaber so incredibly <laughs> like the best that we've seen anybody use this thing so far. Right. Um, I, and I, she could be a really, really powerful, a really good leader. Um, and I think, you know, I've talked about it before of like, cause we talk a lot about it being like the Knights of the round table. Right. And Camelot and all of that sort of thing. Um, and I've always thought like, Oh, Din Djarin is, Arthur and I'm not I am by no means an, an expert on Arthurian legend. It's something that like I think is cool, but like I really don't know it well and I don't know like the supporting characters and so I don't know the archetypes well enough to like to say who's who sort of thing. Marie Claire knows more about this and I talk to her about it all the time and and last week we were talking about it and she's like, "Oh yeah, he's I see him as more like Percival or Lancelot." And like I get that. I think that actually I, I, there might be like some Arthur stuff going on with Bo-Katan, but that she doesn't feel because of everything that's happened. She doesn't feel like she's worthy to pull the sword from the stone. Mm -hmm. Right. But, uh, but I mean, like there are, there are Arthur stories where like, you know, he pulls the sword from the stone and he rules for a time, but then like stuff goes wrong. And he loses his mojo has to figure that out again. And that's actually like, that's that middle-aged her hero's journey. The, the, which is the same one that Luke goes on in the last Jedi, which was where like people misunderstand his journey and that story. But I, I, cause the hero's journey for someone in their midlife is very different from somebody at the end of adolescence, uh, which is where we first see the hero's journey with Luke. Right. So it's not going to be the same. He's not going to go out and face down the full, whole first order with a laser sword, hmm. except that he does, but uh, he does, but he doesn't because that movie is brilliant. I, I, but yeah, like I, 
it's interesting because we are we are dealing with characters who actually are in their midlife. We're dealing dealing with heroes who are in their midlife with with Din and Bo-Katan and Boba Fett and like all these characters are actually like quite old in in like classical sort of hero terms where usually heroes are usually like in their twenties or early thirties. And we're talking about all these characters that are in like their forties and fifties, mm. <laughs> which is, which I love. I think it's fantastic <laughs> because I think like it, it's actually, um, they're good stories for the audience that has been growing up on star Wars. Right. Like, uh, it's where, and, and obviously it's because that's where the, creators that are making these stories are at in their lives right like that's where john favreau and dave filoni are at so i uh, so obviously those are the types of stories that they're they're going to want to tell they're going to be inclined to tell um but yeah i i don't know like i i'm i'm starting to feel more and more like Bo is actually going to be the one maybe she's the right one to actually lead the mandalorians in terms of like a like a uh like the actual like sort of head, but that Din is a perfect right hand. Mm-hmm. Um because he's just so reluctant to lead, which is usually the sign of a good leader, right? Like the right. best leaders yeah. I I often like will refuse leadership. Like they, they take the they take the responsibility more seriously, so seriously that they don't think they're worthy. Um but I I don't know, or or we end up in a world where the two of them lead together. They become like a king and queen of Mandalore, um, of a of a new Mandalore or something like that. I so yeah, I I don't know. It's really interesting. It is all going to hinge on the next episode and what yeah. happens. With... <laughs> Every everything will be proven wrong. <laughs> yeah, none of this stuff is going to come to fruition at all. Um. Yeah, let's talk about it, man. I mean, like, well, I'm sure that we'll circle back around to some of that other stuff. Unless, unless you have something else you want to say on, on what we just talked about, we we can get into the we can get into the big the big reveal at the end of the episode. Uh no, man, go for it. Well, you, uh, you know what? There, there is one little thing that uh, I just want to call to that was earlier in the episode, and we saw it a couple times. Man, seeing Sundari City in mm. in live action, I. I we knew it was coming. Obviously, it was in the trailer. Yeah. Like there were a few like little shots here and there about, it. but like actually seeing the detailed shots and the crazy perspectives and all like the ruined buildings and everything. Man, I I got chills, and this was kind of the reason I brought up um, uh, Saw Gerrera. I I honestly don't remember if that was this one or if, if when we were talking about Bad Batch in the uh, in the other one, but the novelty of seeing these places in live action and these characters in live action has not worn worn off for me. And I understand like a lot of people feel that it makes the galaxy feel smaller and, and like, I get it. I get that complaint, but like, I don't know what it is about seeing Sundari city in total ruins after seeing it at it's like peak majesty in clone wars. And it's just like, it just really because we know this place, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's we saw it when it was at its best, and then we saw it go downhill in Siege of Mandalore. We saw it be destroyed, and now we're seeing the aftermath. And I just feel, I really felt the weight of when Bo was talking about, you know, 
Din, Din had said, oh, you were right. This place isn't cursed. And like when Bo kind of laments him, is like, was I right? Look at this place. It used to be a great civilization. Now look at this place. And it was yeah. so like, oh, man, like like we it's not just like we have to imagine it. We saw it. We saw this place at, at its, in its heyday and its peak. And it was a peaceful place. So, there, you know, there were all these these politics going on when we first were introduced to it. But we saw it arguably at its best. And just to see it now like this, I, I, we feel the weight that Bo feels about it. And I kind of yeah. wonder if she almost feels responsible in a way, because, you know, obviously everything that happened in Rebels and her rule with the with the Darksaber when she didn't really earn it. But also because of what you mentioned earlier, that she ran away. Maybe if she was here and not out with Pre Vizsla and not out doing all the stuff she was doing, maybe maybe she would have made a difference. And maybe that's part of the reason that, you know, other than everything would happen with Satine and her family. She mentioned her dad. I don't think we ever saw her dad before. But no. he died defending Mandalore and didn't, you know, kind of validated her feelings by re respecting her father. And, you know, with the little this is the way, even though she's like over the this is the way mentality religion of it you could tell that she kind of appreciated the way that he showed reverence and respect to the idea that her dad died defending this place that's so important to her and important to him too and it was like another little connecting tissue for the two of them. like oh maybe we do have a little bit more in common than i thought um so i thought that was all of that stuff just to say that sundari city was so cool to see it like this and I don't know if you're going to feel the same way. I know this is literally just a pipe dream of something that I wanted, but like the few shots of going around Sundari city, I want a Metroid prime game of Mando running. I mean, I know this isn't canon, but like somebody running around getting <laughs> upgrades and exploring the ruins. I want to see so much more of this city. I would love, I feel like a game would be like the great, like, like yeah. the best way to do that. It's just to run around and check out like, you know, I, I don't know. It's probably because I just beat well, Metroid yeah. Prime that I'm in that like, oh, I want to yeah, cover yeah, yeah. all these ruined parts of this big giant you, connecting map. You gotta, you gotta tell me how to deal with that stupid. Like, it's one of the last bosses in the game. Uh, okay. That that stupid. I uh, uh, it's the one that goes invisible. The 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 space pirate that goes that can go that. Uh, oh. That, and you got to use the X-ray thing to see, it. like it'll go and yeah. it'll charge up with the. It's you get the, you get the thing to to protect you from the the. Oh my god, I can't think of any of the words right now, but um, I can't beat that thing. You gotta like you gotta like blast the 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 weak points on it, and then yeah, I don't know. right cannons on its shoulders. Yeah, it's towards yeah. the end I mean, of the that's game. It. You just yeah, you just have to keep. Is this where like there's the um. Like the the radioactive stuff on the ground, the phase on, yeah, phase on. Yeah, that's it it's yeah. it's literally just a matter of. I mean, all I did was, uh, running around. Um, yeah, oh yeah, because doesn't he have like a, uh, some kind of thing that like absorbs your missiles yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, um, I can't. It'll, I can't. It'll come I to can't, me because I yeah. that was the only boss in the entire game I had trouble with too. Yeah, I can't Very beat him, and fine. and so I put the game down. Uh, but I want to go back to it. But anyways, okay. Okay. I yeah, I th this this episode had so many like video game <laughs> moments to it. Anyway, like it, it uh, yeah, it just had a lot of gamey stuff for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, all all that stuff with Bo and and 
and uh, and the city and um i love that like when we're down like we're entering the mines and it's the underground and it's all like that environment is what we saw in uh in siege of mandalore mm-hmm. right like yep. like yeah yep. with like chasing darth maul through mm-hmm. like the tunnels underneath the city which like it at that time we had sort of pegged as like oh like the sewer underneath the city but now it's like oh no that's like that's like the entrance to the mines mm-hmm. right like it just like yeah, good Star Wars makes other Star Wars better. And now the next time I go back and watch that stuff from Clone Wars, I'm gonna be like, oh, oh there it is, because they nailed the environments, right? Like yeah. they just it's so true to what we saw in the Clone Wars. It's fantastic. Um, but uh, let's get let's 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 delve into the mines please, and and let's please. let's dive deep into the living waters, uh, underneath Mandalore. I I. So so Din takes off his weapons, he takes off his jetpack, and he he starts walking into the water fully clothed and uh drops off a cliff, right? Yeah. Basically. And uh and if you're wearing full Beskar and uh you fall in the water without your jetpack, it's probably not great. Probably not great. <laughs> and and actually it's interesting because we kind of saw it last week. Went in the fight with the with the the crocagator, uh, and one of the one of the Mandalorians falls in the water, and the armor like runs out there to help them. And I I sort of read that as like I um, because the armor is like it's always like a a bit like a turtle, right? And you like you flip a turtle on its back and it has a hard time getting up, right? Right? Uh, or can't uh, and could die that way, right? Like and and I feel like with the Mandalorians is like that's like the worst situation that you could be in is that like you're in water in this dangerous situation. And it's like that. And the, the armor is going to weigh you down and you're, you'll just drown. You'll just drown in that water. Right. And so like Din falls off this cliff and listen up. All right. If you weren't on board with, with Bo being in love with Din or falling in love with Din before (laughs) she doesn't miss a beat. She is in that water and jetpacking, like rocketing towards him, trying to find him and like desperate, Mm -hmm. desperate to find him. I and does not give up. And she does find him. And there he is, like basically dying, drowning at the bottom of this uh, of this lake, this underground cavern. She grabs him and they're on their way back up. And you just like, you know that this is coming, right? Because there's the whole thing of like, oh, the mythosaurs are extinct yeah. <laughs> and and all of that stuff. And that light on that eye and you just like, here we go. And then they get out of the water and the episode ends. So uh, they, they have awoken the mythosaur the symbol of the Mandalorians. She, and she, it, it, it is not a mistake that she tells the story immediately before this. Sure. Right. And so Mandalore, the great tamed the mythosaur. And, uh, and that's how the skull became the symbol of the Mandalorians. And so come on next week, we're going to tame the mythosaur, right? Like somebody's <laughs> going like to tame the mythosaur. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it's gonna The question is going to be, is it Din or is it, or is it Bo? 
and I think I I mean I think I lean towards that it's going to be Din that Din will tame the Mythosaur. Right. But I but yeah, that's where that is that's where we're heading on this next one. Actually, you know what? I just I just completely I uh, broke my own mind. What happened at the end of Book of Boba Fett? What was the, what was the last what was one of the last scenes we saw in Book of Boba Fett? With the Rancor rampaging. How did we solve that problem? Oh my god. Oh my god. Well. What if it's neither of them? Well, alright. You guys, I just... That happened... That happened live on this episode. It was a live thought. That just occurred to me. Wow. That's a fantastic point. Because I'm going like, is it going to be Bo? I don't think that Bo, because she's got so much inner conflict right now, right? Mm. And then Din, I'm like, well, Din also has so much inner conflict. Like, had he, had had there been some sort of like a resolution to his weird religious fanaticism? And then he, and then like, well, we're here. It's the living waters of Mandalore and I'm going to, I'm going to cleanse myself. But I, but when I come out, like, like, like I could have seen like a moment where he goes, like he gets in and he, and he goes under and he comes back up. And then, like, has a moment of clarity because of the journey that they've just been on. And he just takes his helmet off. Right? Like, I could see, like, that could have been the way that the story could have gone. Um, and and then him being like, I did it. I went. I Like, I went to the Mines of Mandalore. I bathed in the waters. But, like, you're wrong. Right? But that's not what happened. He goes to bathe in the waters and calamity ensues. And now the Mythosaur has been awoken. Mandalore is dead. Yet at the core, the Mythosaur is alive, which which is to tell us symbolically that Mandalore is not dead, right? Asgard is not a place, it's a people, you guys. Uh, and what they need to do is they just need to restore, they need to restore Mandalore, right? Not, not a coincidence that we also found out this episode that Din comes from Concordia, Uh so he is a Mandalorian like he is. He's from the Mandalorian system, right? He's from the moon of Mandalore. So I, 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 that's a, that's, I think that was a pretty big revelation. We've kind of glossed over a little bit, but, um, but yeah. And he tells, he basically like says to Grogu, like, like we all come from here and he's saying to Grogu, like you too, like you're a Mandalorian as well. Like this mm. is your home as well. Right. Um, and I think that we're going to get, I, I, I mean, Grogu wears armor. He does have Mandalorian armor on. It's just, his it's little a little, his little Beskar chainmail. I think, I think Grogu's going to tame the Mythosaur in the next oh, episode. My goodness. Cause he's the new Tar Vizsla, right? Like we have, there's, there's right. Yeah. You Mandalore the great yeah. and there's Tar Vizsla. And now in the new age of the Mandalorian, so we'll kind of have like, and and then there, and then we have uh, Satine, right? Uh, but now, like this fourth age of Mandalore, I uh, I uh, will be Grogu, Mandalore, Mandalore the Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't it be great if they called him like Mandalore the Lesser, because he's because he's small, like man. yeah. I, oh, that's what buddy. so so i don't know you guys are you pro are you anti mandalore the lesser <laughs> i 
I yeah. Uh, man. Is it Tuesday night at I, midnight? Dude, I was just gonna say, man. Like, oh, I don't know if I can make it through it. this week. I don't know if I can make it through you know, this week. You know what the worst thing about doing? I mean, we we have made this joke before in this observation that like when we talked about Bad Batch, we used to do it on like what Monday, and then it yeah. would be the next night is when it would premiere. Right now, it's the, like the longest possible time before yeah. more Mando and Bad Batch. Yeah, we essentially just watched it. Nice. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, Joe. It's you, you know, like Book of Boba Fett going through that and it's like it it was rough because I there was so much about it that I loved and I wanted to love it and I do. Like I genuinely do. This isn't just me like being like, "Well, you got to be positive about all Star Wars stuff. I genuinely love Book of Boba Fett as an overall thing. It is very, very flawed. I'm not going to argue with anybody about that fact. I love it in certain instances, like the mods, because of its flaws. I love those guys. And then in other aspects, in spite of its flaws, right? Like, like why did the why did the Gamorians need to get like like weakly pushed off a cliff? That well, that was that's such a lame moment yeah. in that episode. But and like it's like there's a lot of that going on in Book of Boba Fett. But the process of talking about that show was so difficult because the discourse was just like deafening of people just being like like this show's dumb how come mandalorians in two episodes like just like every week it was something with people like they were mad about this thing or the other thing or the this it didn't live up to their expectations it wasn't what they thought a boba fett show was gonna be but and so like like it was like okay i'm done i'm done with podcasting about star wars and i <laughs> like i like hung up the star wars podcast hat and was like i'm i'm finished and then obi-wan was incredible from start to finish i don't care what anybody says perfect show and then andor was like i i i need like anti-anxiety and blood pressure medication after watching it but but like wow what an incredible story expertly told and everything is like at the highest caliber it could possibly be except for the fact that there's like five aliens in the whole thing but that's fine <laughs> i i you know it's just not very much fun but uh but it is phenomenal it's uh, uh outstanding right Hell yeah. um and then we circle back around to mando and it's like well what's this gonna be is it gonna be book of boba fett or is it gonna be mando season one and then it's like the answer is that it's not really mando season one or two like that story's done and it's not book of boba fett either because book of boba fett was like a transitionary story and i think that's why it exists is that it was like we did it season one and two we did it he returned grogu to the jedi and it ended in the in in like the best possible way with luke right so like that story is done the mandalorian is finished and yet the mandalorian persists because it must because it is successful and disney wants star wars on every week in perpetuity and look i'm not going to argue with them like do it but um but this season is so clearly a reset for the whole thing right like it like like we're 
it's it's just it's it it feels like a completely new show and obviously there's so many familiar elements but to me it's just these two episodes it feels like a brand new show it actually reminds me a lot of you know midway through season three of clone wars when they um when they told us like okay from here on out everything's in chronological order Mm. right like we're gonna there might be an episode here or there that are gonna like flash back to things like that that are like sort of service flashback episodes and we got that with like the rookies stuff we got the episode that like flashed back all the way to the beginning of their story but um with their training or whatever but but like essentially everything from that moment forward was chronological and all of a sudden like that at that moment in clone wars the series like really coalesced right yeah. they they aged ahsoka up a little bit they changed her character and matured her a little bit um and then you know like that's really when we started getting into like darth maul mandalore i i you know asajj ventress and her arc all of that stuff started off like that's when the that's when clone wars became clone wars and you have to have the first two and a half seasons in order to get there but like that's when it really became what that show when we think back on it, what that show was. Right. Um, and I feel like we're going to look back in, you know, I 12 years, uh, I, on this moment as like that season three was really when Mando became Mando. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm excited for more. I think we've got a great story in store for the rest of the season. Certainly feels uh, that way. <laughs> yeah, like, clearly it's it's ramping up now, and oh my god. Yeah, um, at the risk of us ending up going another two and a half hours, <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a really great place to stop. So I uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, like I said, we cannot wait for the next episode, chapter. Uh, it'll be chapter nineteen of the Mandalorian, whatever the title ends up being. Uh, it's going to be the Mythosaur. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's yeah. going to be the Mythosaur. Like, what else? Uh, uh, can you imagine if the next episode is like a hard right turn? They're like, this one's about Boba Fett. Yeah. Oh, my God. They just leave They just hang, leave us hanging for a week. Um, hey, we're, we got to check in with with uh, with Cobb and Boba. Uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be Omega's episode. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> oh don't. Tamor, I don't know if Tamora Morrison's daughter is an actress, but she she would. I think she'd look great as Omega. There we go. I think she. Uh, awesome. Oh, we got a lot to look forward to. We got a lot to think about. And, and hey, uh, also, also, guys, Bad Batch firing on all cylinders. Go listen to Rebel Cells. Uh, listen to us talk about that. You really have to actually, you really need to be listening to both podcasts because it's like Joe and I finish with rebel cells and then we just do this. So it's really just one thing. And then Kyle just leaves because he's a wiener. I, uh, uh, and he can't, he can't hang. Kyle can't hang. Uh, he, he'll never hear this. He'll never be, be cool. Everybody don't tell him I said that. Uh, no, go tell him I said that. But anyways, I, I, that's it. That's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Joe, for joining me and uh, uh, in our revelations about uh, the Mythosaur and Grogu. Yeah, this is uh, awesome. And, uh, <laughs> I'm very excited. This a, yeah, this was a good conversation. Uh, awesome. I look forward to next week uh, and uh, we will see you guys then. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. 
Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash Discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.